Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. All right, everyone, welcome to the Deepen Podcast with Pastor Joby Martin. We are here for a very special episode. We're joined by a live audience today. Let's hear from you guys. Let's go. All right. Pretty cool. Pretty awesome. Uh, we've kicked off a brand new series this weekend called uh, Live Abundantly. And so we're going to dive into, like we always do on the Deepen Podcast, some of the, the content from this message, talk together. Uh, my, my man, Pastor Britt, is with us. My man. Pastor Joby Martin, of course, and my name is Jonathan Vinky. So uh, let's dive in. Uh, Pastor Joby, this is a series that is tied to our two-year discipleship journey called the 1010 Life. So talk to us a little bit about a study of of, of some Proverbs during the 1010 Life series. So the, the heart behind this thing, I, I mean, I talked about it in the, little, in the sermon a little bit, but it requires more words. So there's a very famous saying all over our world, because we're gospel-centered preaching kind of people, right? And um, uh, even very famous people have written books like Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That is true in regards to salvation. So your justification is only credited to you through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, period. However, there can be this thing where you're not loving God, you're loving him with all your soul, but not all of your mind and your strength. Mm -hmm. There's a whole section of literature in our Bible called wisdom literature. It's how to live in God's world, God's way. And if you take Jesus's words at face value, he would say, in regards to you, you living out the life I've called you to live, just having feelings and affection and right theology about me is not enough. You have to obey my commandments. And his, his commandments are not a set of prerequisites that if we obey them, then we can have a relationship with him. His commandments are really a gift to us on how to navigate God's world, God's way. And there is life found that way in your marriage, in your relationships, in your own interpersonal life. And so I wanted to do a deep dive on some wisdom literature of God. And then this series in particular, since we're focused on abundant life all year, there, I mean, as pastors, we know people that go to church and they love the word, they, love, they do all the things, but their life is a train wreck when you look at sex and sexuality, finances, relationships, work. They're not doing it God's way. And then they're surprised that their life blows up because they love Jesus in their heart. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to connect those things. Would you connect that, Pastor Britt, to um, sometimes you hear this, this sentiment that's like, well, Jesus is my, is my Savior, but I just kind of live how I want. I don't need church. I don't need to you know, really read my Bible or grow. It sounds a little bit like what you're saying. It's yeah. like you're forgetting about all the rest of the stuff that's included. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, Jesus says, if you love me, you do what I say. That's right. And so it, uh, technically he says, if you love me, you obey my commandments. And so this, it is impossible to separate obedience to Christ from love for Christ, hmm. biblically. And so anytime someone would say, I love Jesus, but, and then the, the after that is something opposite of what Jesus has said to do, these two things, they just don't dance. You know what I mean? And so that's not me making that up. That's Jesus saying it. And yeah. Jesus says, you'll be known by your fruit, you know, and that, and that we are known by our love for one another. And this is all rooted in his character and his nature and in his life. And so it's no accident in the life of, the ch of our church here at 1122 that Pastor Joby would pick 
the this study in the book of Proverbs on the heels of the study in the book of James. Mm -hmm. You know, we did James for, I don't know, 13 weeks, 14 weeks, whatever it was, and then we did three weeks uh, in between that series and this series. But James and Proverbs are like... And, you know, when you read James and you read Proverbs, you don't stumble too often on God making promises. Mm -hmm. But these are actually, so like the Proverbs are not promises, but they're principles to live inside of God's promises. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And yep. So if you want to walk out the abundant life or you want to walk out God's promises, mm -hmm. these principles are how you actually live those things out and experience yep. the fullness of God in your life. So Yeah, there was, our my generation for sure, there was a very famous way to give your testimony, which was inaccurate. Guys like me, they would talk about a camp experience, you know, but they didn't get serious about living for Jesus until later. And they would say something like, well, I met Jesus as my Savior when I was this age, but he didn't become my Lord until this other time. The Bible has no idea what you're talking about. It does. You're lost. That's what that means, okay? Because part of the reason we use the phrase here, surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, is because that is one thing. Now, there is this process of progressive sanctification for sure. I mean, there, there are areas in my life currently I'm not even aware that I need to get rid of because the Spirit of God has not made those aware to me yet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that will come progressively over time. But the idea, when you come to Christ, it's, it's everything I know about me, and I'm giving all of that to all that I know of you, mm -hmm. period. It yeah. is a total and complete surrender. It is not like a step-by-step -step process of justification. Yeah. yeah, when you think about Proverbs is a great guide in the sanctification process. No question. Because the temptation and for us is it, when we're looking at spiritual growth or sanctification is to say, is to fall into the comparison trap even inside of Christendom. You know what I mean? Which is like, if I look at my life compared to Joby's life, how am I doing? Am I growing? It's like, it's like me compared to you. Well, the challenge with this is nature nurture, the environment, how long you've been at it, the discipleship resources that have been at your disposal, the kinds of relationships that you've had, the amount of information that you have. You know what I mean? Like and, if you grew up in my house. And you know everything about you, and you you like only know my visible sins. That's so right. you, you know your B-roll and you know my highlight reel. For sure. And so sanctification is not me compared to you. It's me compared to me compared to the nature of Christ. Right. Right. Does that make sense? And so it's like me compared to me five years ago. Do I see the needle of fruit growing? Do I see the, do you, you tracking with me? Yeah. Not me compared to you. Mm -hmm. And then all of that is in comparison to, or, you know, in, in regards to the likeness of Christ and being formed in his image over time, you know? It definitely makes sense too, because we live in a time, this is not new, not unique to our time, but where feelings rule in so many ways into so many people's lives. And if you say, well, Jesus is, Jesus is my savior, you're kind of saying, I like him. I like how he makes me feel. Or like you say sometimes, I get up, I get in worship and I get all up in the feels about, yeah. you know, the sermon or the songs. But then if you don't walk away and obey, it's, it's, it doesn't really count. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, we did two years in the Shema. I think, I think that informs so much mm -hmm. um, that we're supposed to love God with all heart, soul, mind, and strength. What Proverbs is doing is talking a little bit about mind and strength. Mm. Whereas a lot of other parts of the Bible talk about heart and soul and yeah. how to love him. Yeah. And so you don't, I mean, the, the word one there, our, our English word, uh, integrity, comes from that. Right. That to love God with integrity is to love him with your one and only life. You don't have these compartmentalized lives where, like, 
you love God with song on Sunday morning, but just reject um, what he tells you to do in regards to relationships for the rest of the week. Mm. You mentioned this a little bit in the sermon, and, um, you know, other cultures have proverbs and wise sayings, you know, and, uh, you know, it makes me think of a fortune cookie if I think about that almost, but, like, the book of Proverbs is often misunderstood, right? If you just if you take it just as like a bunch of sayings that hey, nice to do, nice to not, whatever. So how how do we view this book through a gospel lens and not misuse it like like it might be? Uh, well, in the sermon, I said that the key to understanding it all is uh, verse seven mm-hmm. that the fear of the Lord is yeah. the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. So if you and that's the Lord, mm-hmm. like Yahweh, covenant name of God. If you don't know Jesus, then these practical tips at life are not going to be enough because they're going to be foolishness to you. Mm. Um, I mean, wait till we get to next week and you look at the sexual ethic according to the scripture. Of course, that sounds foolish to a group of people that have been taught that you are nothing but uh, uh, an evolved mammal. Yeah. Well, then, of course, you'd act like an animal. But if you have submitted and surrendered to the way of the creator who loves you and sent his son for you, then you have a different ethic and you have to see it in light of your reverence for God. Right. Yeah. What, what's it called when people just, you know, grab a verse? Happens all the time. Like you talk about the coffee, the coffee mug verse, yeah. you know, like you just pull it out and Ice like. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Not isogesis. It's Jesus. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. cherry picking or proof texting, you know, like scripture has to always interpret scripture. Did you have something you wanted to say? No, I was going to say in... in Part of a large part of understanding Proverbs is chapter eight, mm-hmm. and historically, most theologians would argue the back part of chapter eight is actually describing the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, who is Jesus. And what it's talking about is the manifold or the manifest wisdom of God, mm-hmm. like that this is God on display. And then you track Proverbs 8 and you go running down to Hebrews where it talks about he is the exact imprint mm-hmm. of the character and nature of God. And so one of the ways to read the Proverbs is that this is God putting his character on display for you to better understand and relate to who he is and how he is. You know what I mean? And, and and as you grow in love with all the details of his integrity and of his perfection and of his manifold right. wisdom, it, it, it grows yours. Tracking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned Solomon obviously wrote most of, if not all, the Proverbs and the Holy Spirit. You, we'll talk about that in a minute as well, but often called the Spirit of Wisdom. And so the Spirit of Wisdom is upon Solomon to give him all – he just make it all up. You know right. I mean? It came from God. So let's talk about wisdom. So I love Pastor Toby. You have a couple of things that you say about wisdom is not just, you know, the answer. Like fill in the blank for the, with the answer. That's how most of us pray some a lot of the time, right? It's just like, God, what should I do? You know, what's the answer? What's the right thing? But wisdom is not just knowing the answer. So how does it affect how we pray? Uh, James says, if anyone if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. The way most of us interpret that is what we actually pray for is knowledge. Mm. Knowledge is what do I do in this circumstance? And God doesn't promise that. What he does promise is if you ask for wisdom, he'll give it to you. And wisdom is living in God's world, God's way, so that no matter the circumstance, you know the character and nature of God, you hear the voice of the good shepherd, and you can take steps of obedience in that direction. Mm -hmm. That's different than what college should I apply to. That's what a lot of Christians are asking. He may or may not tell you that. 
Mm-hmm. He, he would definitely tell you the kind of human being he wants you to be. Mm-hmm. And then you see if that college lines up with who he is calling you to be. Mm-hmm. That's the difference between wisdom and knowledge. I had a, a pastor friend tell me, uh, explain it to me like this. It's like, you know, if you have kids and you, were t- you took them to the park to play on the playground that, and they said, hey, dad, should I, get, should I swing on the swing or use the slide? It's like, whichever one you want to do, you know, just don't run out in the street. Yeah. You know, so the wisdom of God is like, hey, stay within the boundary lines of the playground and then swing or go down the slide or monkey bar, whatever you want to do. You know and then I mean? sometimes, I mean, and then sometimes he has a very specific yeah. voice and call in your life. Like, so if you back up to 2011 or 12 before we launched this thing, mm-hmm. um, it's not like I was deciding between do I plant a church or do I sell guns to terrorists, you know, those weren't were my two options. <laughs> I was either going to like be in ministry at this place or plant this church, you know? Right. Um, taking a job at an existing church seemed like the much easier of the options and the least risky and all of that. It, the only problem with it is it's just not what he was telling me to do. Mm-hmm. And so, so generally speaking, I agree. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes when you know the still small voice of God, it's not like every Tuesday I get specific directions about you should eat breakfast at this place. It's not that right. kind of thing. Right. But there have been significant times in my life where he said, go in this direction, not that direction. Mm-hmm. And both the directions seemed godly. Mm-hmm. It would have just been disobedience on my part if I didn't do what he told me to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are other things that would be wise and godly that would have been disobedience. Yes, correct. And you've told stories before, Pastor Joby, about like, call this person, like a person's specific name, a specific face. It's just like, okay, that's a very, that's a knowledge, a word of knowledge, you could say. That is. And then sometimes the prayer is just like, what would a wise person do in this situation? I'm just going to go, just guess and, and go with what I think it is. I just, I've talked to the staff about this all the time. I don't, one day I'm going to stand before the Lord, right? And so what do you do with these things that you think God is telling you to do? Yeah. Like I can remember one time I was in Walmart, and this lady's lose, this kid's losing her mind. The lady just starts screaming at her kid. She start, she started screaming, "Relax, relax!" I thought he's never going to understand that word. <laughs> and uh, and the Lord said, "Just get her. Talk to her about me. You know, get her." And I just said, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "I'm okay." And I was like, "No, are you okay?" Yeah. Five minutes later, she's praying to receive Christ. Mm. All right. Now yeah. there'll be a day. So let's just say I made it up. I don't know. He did tell us to take the good news to the ends of the earth. Walmart is for sure the ends of the earth. So. <clears throat> I mean, well, all right. So, what if I was wrong? What if he did not? What if the Spirit of God did not specifically tell me to get her? But I just made it up in my head. Okay, I think I'm gonna be okay. Right. If I'm standing before him, being like, "That wasn't me. That was you." Be like, "Okay, my bad." But where is she? She's here because I pray with her. Mm-hmm. What I don't want to do is for him to be like, "You know, I was telling you to talk to that lady in Walmart." Mm-hmm. So, whenever that happens, I just try. Last week at church, man, where it's at the 11:22 service. Oh, yeah, we were talking about marriage. I look over my shoulder and I see this younger girl. I can't tell how old. Everybody 16 to 26 looks the same to me when you're old. <laughs> yeah. And she's with her mom. And the moment Chris said, we're talking about marriage today, I saw her. I just saw her whole body go, oh, you know, like, oh, no. And the yeah. mom even said, I'm sorry. And I'm telling you, God said, go talk to her. So I was like, so I dipped out. I walked about four rows up. I just bumped in next to her. And she's like, what are you doing? And I go, I just want you to know I'm so glad you're here buckets, man. She just said, I'm going through a really terrible breakup right now. And I'm just telling you, the spirit told me to do that. I think, Mm -hmm. but if he didn't, and God's like, I didn't tell you to talk to that girl. Okay, cool. I thought it was you. And I want to be, 
I mean, that's what that's what this this verse on my arm. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Mm. I want to be so full of the Holy Spirit that like a like a a well broken horse, it just takes the rider just the slightest little tug, and and the horse is like, oh, all right, I know the direction I want to go. Mm-hmm. I think the more it's like a muscle, man. This thing grows with exercise. Mm-hmm. The more times you do what the Spirit says, the more likely the Spirit is going to tell you to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And the the more you ignore His voice, the more hardened your heart will be, and mm-hmm. the less you'll ever recognize the voice of the Good Shepherd. Mm-hmm. He ain't going to waste His voice. Yeah. Yeah, that's a scary thought, to not, to be so hardened that you don't even hear it anymore. Reminds me of that story that Pastor, I think it was Dr. Brunson told, right? That you have a choice when you're hearing that voice and you... Oh, yeah. There's something you don't want to do, like obedience is what you don't want to do. He's like, you could push it away, but then next time it's going to be harder to hear, and then mm-hmm. eventually you won't hear it at all. You know that, and that's scary. So in this in this section of text that we looked at, it's it's kind of like the the summary statement or the or the uh, you know the introduction to here's what this is all about. And yeah. verse six says to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles which I thought was an interesting way to put it. So, Pastor Joby, talk about the effort that it requires to think deeply about wisdom and wise words, and why does it matter so much that it's not easy? Well, I mean, a riddle is like um, a thing that has to be explained. It's not as it seems at face value. And so we live in a world that says, at face value, this is wisdom. More is mine. Make much of yourself. Dog eat dog. Do what it takes for you to get ahead. I mean, you just keep going, right? My body, my choice. It's, there's all these things. And then the the I love down when you get a little later, it says the folly of God in First Corinthians 1. Yeah. It says the, the folly of what we preach. Man, it's this upside down kingdom. It takes a little mental work to try to align the way we think with the way God thinks, because his ways are not our ways. Mm-hmm. So the world says, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins. And the folly of this world is like, no, actually, you can send some ahead and you can be blessed forever. Mm-hmm. You just do it completely different, Yeah. right? The world says, I better get mine because nobody's looking out for me. Mm-hmm. And then the folly of the gospel is actually the most free you will ever be is in surrender to the lordship of the sovereign king of the universe. Mm. These are like riddles. They don't make sense on the surface, but if you've ever heard like the solve of a riddle, you can only hear the riddle with the solve to it. You're like, oh, this is so dumb. I I know this, right? How did I not get this? Well, the moment the spirit illuminates his gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, then you can see right through the lies of this world, you know? Like that Lincoln that McConaughey is trying to sell you is not going to bring you peace and happiness. How do you, I mean, I know you think you're cool, but just riding around town in the dark trying to talk like him ain't going to do it for you. Yeah. Well, it's because, but how many people buy into that riddle? Because yeah. they don't get it. But when you know the answer, you're like, ah, oh, that's a trick. Mm, mm. Pastor Brett, you're smart. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> Is this just a random statement? <laughs> well, it is. And also, what talk, talk to us a little bit about the work. Like, what's some stuff that comes to your mind if you think about that thought? Like, hey, something that was like, wow, that seemed hard to understand at first, and now in hindsight, it's like so obvious. Yeah, I think part of understanding what Solomon's getting at, one, the Proverbs help make a lot of sense 
on a practical level, when you really study the life of Solomon mm. and the, the kingdom of Israel uh, at the time from the rule of really Saul until Solomon's sons, mm. you know, really hosed the, hosed the place up when, mm. as time went on. Um, in oral history, the, in, the, in the ancients, uh, in an oral tradition, like much of what they, they lived in and the way that they passed information, riddles and proverbs and all different kinds of uh, tricks that they would use, uh, like, like uh, we talk about one all the time, a... Uh, remez. A remez. Or n- mnemonic device. Yeah, yeah, mnemonic devices. They would use these things all the time to just like trigger memories, mm, right? Yeah. And it's like we, the, the best example you give is when we hear songs from when we were teenagers or kids, right? You hear the the opening line to Ice Ice Baby. You know exactly what's coming next unless right. you were a child of the 70s and then you think it's, uh, you know, pressure. under pressure, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so those kind of rote memorizations or, or much of what Solomon's getting at. And they all believed, and this even manifests even in the first century, where the Greeks would have called it a, a life force, or uh, th- there's an energy at work in the world behind everything. Mm-hmm. That there's a veil just on the other side, that there's a veil between us and real reality, is the way that they would have talked about it. And Proverbs, Solomon's saying, look, man, I'm trying to help you pull away the veil between what's not real so that you can step into what's actually real mm-hmm. because understanding is the thing that helps you pass from mm-hmm. what you're just making up mm-hmm. and then living in reality mm-hmm. as God has designed it. You know, yeah. Solomon would have certainly ascribed the force behind everything mm-hmm. as as God the creator. This was one of the distinct things of the nation of Israel was is, the, the Israelites were so far ahead of everybody else in the world because of the law. That's right. Right. The law set set them, I mean, I'm talking, it blasted, that's why everybody hated them. Mm-hmm. It's because they had social structure and they had governance and they had rules to live by and they were practicing wisdom, not just individually, but as a people, according to God's way and God's will. And it just propelled them in the world from being mm-hmm. sheep herders to being conquerors. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then the pinnacle of their victory is under Solomon's rule. Mm-hmm. And Solomon's saying, I'm living at the pinnacle of victory. And in Ecclesiastes, he says, all this stuff is the vanity of vanities. Mm-hmm. All these gardens and all these castles and all these women and all this money, it is absolutely a waste of time and a waste of life. And by the time he writes Ecclesiastes, he's past his prime a bit. And he's in, headed toward the crazy chair. <laughs> and seriously. Yeah. And, but when he's, in writing, when he's writing Proverbs, it's like at the pinnacle of his insight mm. into living in the reality as God designed it. You, mm. you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so for us, in a new covenant era, post-Christ's death and resurrection, the veil has literally been torn mm-hmm. from top to bottom. And we have not just been given oral history or tips and tricks by which mm-hmm. to to understand or to memorize or to practice. We've actually been given the Holy Spirit, who is the sustaining force of life in reality. And this is not so much... It, it is teaching us, but at the same time, it's reminding us of what is already true, not just revealing truth to us. Mm-hmm. You tracking? Yeah, yeah. So. There's so much. I love what you said, Pastor Joby, about like what's face value, because there's so much that we don't realize we're building our worldview around that we haven't thought about. 
Like even just you watch if you watch enough commercials and you think, oh, I guess that's what people do is that they have that kind of house, yeah, or they have that kind of car, or they do this at the end of college, or they do you go on this kind of senior trip or this kind of vacation. You're building these kind of expectations in your mind that this is what it is. If you don't take a minute and evaluate and think below the surface, you're just going to be a product. You're just going to be like that wave that's driven and tossed by the wind. Uh, now you talk a little bit about. Uh, more than a little bit, but the fear of the Lord. So he, th- that verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And you you unpacked how that's not necessarily like a terror, like, oh, I'm afraid the Lord's out to get me. Uh, although we could talk a little bit about that. It'd be super interesting. But uh, would you say there's too much fear of the Lord or too little? Uh, today, way too little. In our I'm, culture, for sure. I mean, there are people that just straight openly mock God, mm. you know, now, there's a new covenant, so things are different. However, th- there still is this reverence. I mean, there is, he is holy, holy, holy. I mean, th- there should never not be this posture that Isaiah, I mean, Isaiah is a pretty good dude, right? He's a prophet of God, so he's better than all of us. And the moment he gets a sense of the presence of God, he's mm-hmm. like, first of all, woe is me. I'm an unclean man. I got an unclean mouth. My people, everybody, everything about me mm-hmm. is unclean. Um, and so it's not until God burns his mouth with the coal then that he is getting to come into his presence, which, by the way, is a picture of Jesus because the piece of the coal that he would have taken would have been from a sacrifice, yeah. and Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. Mm-hmm. But in the new covenant, it's different, man. I do think you're, if, you've got a, if you've got a godly relationship with a godly fa- earthly father, it should be. It's a really good picture of what it ought to be. Mm-hmm. Like you have reverence for them. You know they can like end your life, not physically, but you know what I mean. <laughs> they can make things really hard on you if they want to, but yet they don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Reagan, she's four, she just turned 14 years old. She still knows, even when we get done with church and I stand right here and sign books and say hey to people and pray with people and there's a line and there's all the things, she just walks to the front because she's my little girl. When we get home today, she will jump on the couch with me and put her leg over my leg. Nobody else can do that except her mama. That's, that's it. Right. Only two girls on the planet, right? Yeah. So she has this respect for me as her dad, mm-hmm. and yet there's also this relationship with me mm. as her dad. Yeah. <clears throat> Hebrews talks about this. Hebrews is like, man, everything has changed because of Christ. Moses is at the bottom of the mountain, and there's a tempest on top. And he's like, oh, no. Well, in Christ Jesus, he stepped off of the mountain to come rescue us. Mm -hmm. So there is this, yes, God is in charge, and he's the cosmic judge, and he's coming back on a horse with tattoos and a sword in his mouth, and his eyes are filled with fire, and he's ticked, and he's going to judge the quick and the dead. Mm -hmm. But I have already been judged righteous by his blood. Therefore, I enter into his throne room just like a kid to a loving Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. Both those things are simultaneously true. I think that's one of the most misunderstood things about, you know, fr- from a from a distance. Folks who don't know, maybe they don't know the, their Bible super well, or maybe they're not in the church. So I thought God was loving. I thought God was a God of love and grace. So how could he also, you know, have wrath? How could he also punish? But you talk... How could you love and not have wrath? Yeah. I mean, the most... the. The thing that would lack love most is if you just sat back and watched somebody terrorize your family and did not have wrath towards what was happening and the people that were doing it and then mm-hmm. do something about it. Mm-hmm. Everybody actually does believe in a just judge. Yeah. They just don't want it against them. That's mm-hmm. right. Like if your kid was raped and then you and they caught the person 
And then you're at the trial, and the judge is like, you know what? I'm just full of love and grace. Don't worry about it. You'd be like, oh, nope. You don't get to be judge. Mm-hmm. You are disqualified from being a judge, yeah. right? So that's what, think about that in light of sin. Every sin is against the Almighty God, and He's a He's a perfect judge, and all sin must be paid for. Mm-hmm. So the what people don't understand, if you can just help them go down that road, is that God poured out his wrath on himself for our forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Romans 3, he's the just and the justifier. So simultaneously, he's a perfect judge and perfectly righteous in his judgment, and he's full of grace, and so he receives the due penalty that wasn't even due to him in our place to demonstrate his grace. Yeah. So even in Christ, we have a healthy fear like that loving father, but then the, 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 those who don't know the Lord and may, may mock him in this life, there will be, there'll be a time where there'll be some terror. <clears throat> and it may yeah. be before he returns. I mean, one of the things, dude, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. No doubt. So the, the, the wrath of God on this world is he goes, fine, do what you want. Mm. There's, no, there's no greater wrath than that. Yeah. I'll sleep with who you want to. Do with, lie as much as you want. You right. go ahead. Keep going down that road, and I am not going to save you from you. Is God's wrath. Yeah, yeah. It, is, it is a version of hell to live life without love. That's a fact. And without knowing that you are loved and that there is a greater love and not having the capacity to love anything more than you love yourself, hmm. which is the ultimate God will turn you over to yourself. And this is... Romans 1, this is his wrath against the ungodly. It's right. one of the ways that it plays out is, a, is that he, he's a gentleman and that he, he, you want it, you get what you want long term. You know? And I would, I would say that that is a working definition of hell is that you get what you want. And hell, the eternal destination hell, is locked from the inside. Yeah. Ain't nobody trying to get out. Read Jesus's example of Lazarus uh, in the you know you know what I mean yeah. the the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, the one question you think that brother would ask is, "Can somebody please get me out of here?" And he never asks. So, can you send somebody to tell my family? Can you? Could somebody please touch my tongue? But he never says, "Can you get me out of here?" Why? He doesn't even ask. He commands it. Give he me commands, some water. Give me water. Because he's Lord of his own life. And that's what you do when you're Lord of your own life. You command things. And so. I think of those texts are just like when when he does come back with the with the tattoos and the sword, they're gonna say, "Please crush me," the mount, like crying out to the rocks to crush their heads Revelation because of the 19, terror. That's yeah. right. So part of what part of what makes Jesus's uh, life and work so astounding is you have to have a complete understanding of who Jesus is as the second person of right. the Trinity, mm. that he's. Um, Oftentimes what we do is we take the Gospels as a snapshot and think that is the totality of who Jesus is. That is not. Mm. That was a season of his existence to come meek and lowly and a suffering servant. Mm -hmm. That is not who he is all the time. It was not that big a deal if you were a suffering servant because you don't have a choice. People just beat the crud out of you and nail you to a cross. Mm -hmm. Say sorry about it. Mm. He willingly chose, see Philippians 2, Mm to become obedient to death on a cross and humble himself. He is not a poor rabbi walking around Jerusalem anymore trying to get him some fish and getting his taxes out of a fish's mouth. You understand? He is high on the throne just waiting for the day where his father says, bring him home. Mm. And and that is who he is. Mm -hmm. 
So the fact that we even ever knew that he came down and died in our place, that's what blows our mind. Mm. Not just because he was so sweet about it, but because he's the king of the universe and yet decided to do it to demonstrate his love for us for his own glory. Mm. But may we never, I mean, he's coming to judge the quick and the dead. Ain't no doubt. I mean, that's his title is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That of all the kings, he's the king of all of it. Of all the things that would seek to rule or have ever ruled, he's the Lord of all of them. And so he is the greater fill in the blank, the greater Moses, the greater Abraham, the greater, he's the Jacob, he's, he's the greater all these things. So every ruler, even in the nation of Israel, the greater Solomon, all these things are just a, uh, a picture of the reality of Christ. We sing this church, these songs in church, like uh, one of the songs we sing is uh, Holy, uh, Holy, there, there's, uh, what's the word? That's the Pat Barrett song. Um, holy, whatever, I Do can't it, sing man, it. Uh, there, on. There's, <laughs> no one, there's no one like you is ultimately the word. Okay. And you stand there and you stand there with your hands in your pockets and mm. trying to, you know, make see if your phone's buzzing and you're just like, Holy... Lord, there's no one like you. <laughs> what are you saying? Right. Think about what you're saying. Yeah. You're saying yeah. there you are completely other. Hmm. That there is no one like you. That you are all alone in your awesomeness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're all alone in the devastating beauty that is your reality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? That there's nobody like him. And and you come near. Like if you could try to wash off all the church stuff <clears throat> and you knew that, the creator of the universe who knows the beginning from the end and establishes it all and came up with the idea of you and and, and all the things, the greatness of God. And then and then he and somebody were to tell you, and if you want, he'll give you like the secret of how to live life. You'd be like, What, really? I'll take that. I mean, you want to talk about some insider trading. For sure. And then he takes his word and goes, There it is. You're welcome. And we can't even like get up and read it in the morning. Come yeah. on, man. Yeah. Well, John fifteen, Jesus says, "No longer do I call you servants. Now I call you friend." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Well, a, a, a like a true reverence mm-hmm. for the sovereignty of God intensifies the friendship that He has now made available. <laughs> well, think you know? about think about our relationships with our children. Now, every analogy breaks down, so you can never take it too far, but God is not like a father. God is father. That's fundamental. Okay. So he's given us this picture of what a good dad is to, to their kids, right? So think about that. There, I have teenagers, about to be an 18 and a 14-year-old, pray for me. And there is this shift. Look, when they're itty-bitty babies, you just keep them alive. You don't let them put their finger in the light socket, keep them out of the pool unless you're watching, right? And then what you begin to do over time, there's this planned emancipation. <laughs> and all you're trying to do is help prepare them to live life mm. in a way that honors God and, and they flourish. That mm-hmm. is what you're trying to do. And while you're never like best buddies with your kids, it totally shifts from I'm not just the person that makes all your decisions for you. I need you to know I'm for you, and I'm trying to train you as a like in godliness. And it definitely moves way toward way more towards a friendship than a, mm-hmm. I'm the king of this house. You do what I say, because mm-hmm. if it that's just where it goes. Think about our relationship with God. I mean, what king? What king is like? Come on, sit up here at the table. Let's chat. Mm-hmm. That's the king of the universe. If you lose 
the grandeur of the holiness of God, then you'll miss out on how amazing it is that Jesus will call his friends. And if you if you have a relationship with your kids, right, and hopefully you do, I just think about I have my kids are a little bit younger than yours, thirteen and ten, and I just think about my kids, and when our relationships are right, especially in the family unit. I mean, this applies beyond that, but it certainly applies in the family unit. Everything feels right in the world. Mm -hmm. But when one of those primary relationships is wrong, everything feels wrong, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's like we'll say all the time, like, if me and my wife are are, are good, I can handle a lot. That's right. When me and my wife are sideways, I'm I'm like a... a puddle of uselessness in the world, just sucking oxygen, trying to stay alive. You know what I mean? Like it's no good. The whole world is jacked. If me and my wife, things are jacked, but here's how things get jacked and stay jacked is when we, like if my 13 year old, if there was an area of her life where I was, I clearly knew this, this is going to lead you Mm -hmm. down a path. You do not want to go. There are all kinds of consequences on this, if you make this choice over and over again, the consequences are going to be tough. And she, let's just say she refused to not listen, or she refused to listen to, to make to not do the thing that right. I was saying. There is no way that the rest of our relationship would not be strained by mm-hmm. that one part. Yeah. You tracking with me? Yeah. And this is so how often it is with with our relationship with the Lord. It's like, Lord, I want I want to have all of you, and I'm going to give you almost all of me. Mm. I want to do most of the things that you say, yep. but I just mm-hmm. I'm just not this thing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. And and there's that's the whole thing of the 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 heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's all so connected. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way for me to to keep my rules, my life, my way around you know money. And then have all the benefits of being God's child without any restrictions or restraints on the other side. It just won't feel right. Correct. I won't experience it as right because something is off. Mm. You tracking with me? Yeah. So the reason that's what that's what I think Proverbs is getting at. Like, well, that's why I taught this sermon this week. Because if you just show up next week to hear a talk on sex, it just sound it's going to sound like who's this old conservative guy trying to tell me what to do in my bedroom with my body. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, 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 hold on. You got to listen to week one first. Mm. What I'm trying to communicate to you is there is a good father and there's a right way to live in his world and it's his world. Mm-hmm. It's I've shared this before, but a year or so ago, one of my kids was being dumb and I'm yelling at them. And I'd yell, if you would just do what I say, your life would go so well, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm telling you, God was like, say it again. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then I realized... Oh, you're talking to me, right? If I would just do, because that's the frustrating things when your kids won't do right. You're like, I know better and I'm for you and you're being dumb and I'm trying to save you from your own dumbness. That's all I'm trying to do, okay? And that is our condition. So the reason we start with the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom is because if you just, as we get into the specifics of friendship and sex and money and vocation, if you don't keep this in mind, that he's a good dad that loves you and is for you, therefore, these are how these four areas play out in your life, then what it will do is it'll just fall into that therapeutic moralistic deism, that there's just right and wrong, and here's what you do, and here's what you don't do. That will never sustain. 
it, it, it like we we are branches plugged into the vine and if we're not then we'll begin to believe the lie of the enemy and his first lie is he's just trying to keep you from being what you want to be mm-hmm. yeah so the next 4 weeks I'm telling you the warning I I honestly think the people listening to the podcast probably I don't know maybe they need to be warned the same the moment the inner lawyer in you begins to justify well it's okay for me in this specific area mm-hmm. to disobey what he says watch out man you're buying mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. the trick yeah well, the thing you said in the sermon, and you said it many times over the last couple of years, is we're not we're not exclusively talking about right and wrong. We're talking about life and death. Correct. And Proverbs eight uh, says this at the end, verse thirty five and thirty six: For whoever finds me, finds life. That's it. Talking about wisdom mm-hmm. is what they would have called it. The second person right. of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, is who we, what we would call it. Correct. Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor. From the Lord. Who would say, you know what? I don't want the Lord's favor on my life. Mm. Nobody would say that. Correct. Right? right? I mean, no, nobody who's at least says that they're a Christian right. would say that. Whoever finds me finds life. But he who fails to find me injures himself. That's it. Yep. It's like walking in the abundant life as prescribed by life, the person who holds the power and is the abundant life, to not do that is to injure yourself. I'm just imagining so you, the scenario that you just painted with like if the king said to you, hey, do you want the secret to life? And then slid that across the table, you know. Uh, that's 100% true. I'm thinking of a, a situation where you like, is some, like the person you know from the gym or from work, you're just like, hey, this is the secret to life. They'd be like, you know, roll their eyes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why Does that go back to the riddle thing? Like, why, is it, why isn't it obvious? To everybody, that this is the way. Because they don't know him. Mm. It's because they don't have the fear of the Lord, the reverence yeah. of yeah. who is giving him this. It opens the door. They think it's just another ancient ideology, and the enemy has done a wonderful job with like, the Joe Rogans of the world, and in one second dismiss this whole, mm-hmm. they, they don't know what they're even holding in their hands. Mm. And so some freshman English professor at community college comes up with this one phrase to dismiss the word of God and how it's been held together over time and the miracle that it is. And then, but people had this one category in their brain and they're like, oh, it's just a made up story Mm -hmm. that the church in 500 Mm -hmm. AD put together to control us. Mm -hmm. Like what? You have no idea what you're talking about. No idea. And certainly there's a rebellion inside of you that kind of wants to be free because you think, because inherent in us with our sin is that belief that if we could just do what we want, we'd be happier. Well, fundamentally, do you come to God's word thinking that it is light and life, or do you come to his word thinking it's rules to keep you from doing what you want to do? Right. If you think it's that, it's because you don't know mm-hmm. him. Yeah. You don't know the author. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, you just said something that we could spend hours and hours on, in podcast land just talking about the uh, 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 freedom. But part of what Proverbs does, the Bible does this unto itself, is it defines the words that it uses. Mm-hmm. And so it uses the word wisdom, and then it defines wisdom. That, that's one of the real tricks of the enemy is that he takes mm-hmm. words and he gives them different definitions than what they were actually supposed mm-hmm. to mean. Mm-hmm. You track yeah. it? And so it's like, like the Bible defines what love is. Yeah. The Bible actually defines what freedom is, which yeah. is not free to do whatever you want. It's free. You're now free mm-hmm. to have purpose. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're free to do things that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's a huge part of wisdom is understanding what God meant when God said. 
You know what I mean? So here's something I said that I thought was awesome. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I'm sure I agree. Sometimes words come out of my mouth while I'm up there, and I thought, oh, I should write that down. You want to believe some heresy? The enemy will be happy to give you a false prophet to tell you everything you that's want to right, hear. That's right. That's right. Pay very close attention to the enemy's first words on the planet. Did God actually say? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you start when people start deconstructing God's word so that they construct this way to live. Listen, the majority of bad theology it has everything to do with most people's pants. They don't want to keep them on. <laughs> so they re, they just do these gymnastics all through the Bible so that word doesn't mean that anymore and that was just the first century thing and, mm-hmm. oh, you don't understand. Hold on. Here's, you know what that sounds a lot like to me? Did God actually say mm-hmm. flee sexual immorality? Oh, but see, that word means this and it's from the, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So pay very close attention to that. Mm-hmm. And, and dude, tell, I'm telling you, <laughs> there's been false prophets forever, but now we plugged in, plugged them into the internet so they can go everywhere all the time and mm-hmm. you can find whoever to say whatever you want mm-hmm. so that you can justify whatever way you want to live. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you can live however you want to live. Mm-hmm. Just by definition, you are now the Lord of your own life. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I agree that that was good. So Thanks. it's not just you. <laughs> Uh, so you talked about the different groups, and if you study Proverbs, you will hear uh, these these different groups mentioned: the foolish person, the simple, the young, the wise. It made me think of uh, the difference between fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Right, a fixed mindset is just like, hey, I am what I am, and I can't really change. Versus a growth mindset, it's like I'm always growing. And I love uh, what it says in verse five: let the wise hear and increase in learning. That's right. So, h- how does how does that idea relate to humility and our relationship with God that we never stop growing? So, a part of our liturgy for this uh, season, for this series, is Dr. Paul, or he's going to do most of them a couple of times. There'll be a different elder, but I want that I wanted our whole church to see one of our elders read the Proverbs with me standing there next to them. Mm -hmm. So though I have this position I have at our church, I am submitted to the authority of our elders and have gained so much wisdom and knowledge by having them pour into me and likewise pour into all of us. And so I don't know what people think about me, but they show up here to listen to me preach all the time. If if so, I need to be submitted, and I've got a whole lot to learn. So don't we all need to be submitted to people that are more wise, and don't we all have a lot to learn from other people? Mm-hmm. Because even if somebody, so somebody right here, one of us here is the smartest. Okay, I have an idea on who it's not in a few occasions, <laughs> but somebody here is, and yet none of us are the expert on absolutely every area of life. Mm. And so God has given us the body of Christ that we would be submitted to one another in brotherly love and affection towards one another so that we could spur one another on to good works for the kingdom. Mm. So a big part of wisdom is humility to know, I ain't got this. I need mm. some people in my life to help me get to where God wants me to go. Yeah, and, and the elders, you'd say, are probably a huge part of that for you. Oh, huge, for sure. But yeah. you two guys are too, yeah. I mean, for sure. All right, we're going to take a couple uh, audience questions. Sweet. And so uh, the first one is around, you know, hot topics in culture. So you talk about wisdom and truth and the Word of God, specifically like LGBTQ issues. Like how do you communicate the truth of the wisdom of God to folks who uh, who would be either struggling with that in their own life or very opinionated about it? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I do get asked all the time, like, why don't I cover this issue or that issue or that issue? And so just so our folks know, like, we teach the Word of God. I don't start with, like, the the Times Union and just preach whatever hot topics are going on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now, the Bible covers everything that we need for life and godliness. Um, so I'm going to just teach what the Bible says, but I want to do it in such a way that it's full of grace and truth. Mm. So when it comes to LGBTQ and all of that, one of the things I've got to be careful of is I'm a sucker for response, and I know our church. So I could preach it in such a way where, every, I mean, there's just this raucous applause, mm-hmm. and in no way would I be serving our people at that point. I would be using our people to serve me. Mm-hmm. So i got to be very careful. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between a prophet and a shepherd. A prophet just drops truth bombs, and then you figure it out. A shepherd actually takes a group of people to green pastures and still waters. And so one of the keys is I got to start where we are. And and it doesn't do a lot of good for me to just rally all of us conservatives up in the things that we believe in so that we feel – I mean, the loudest applause we've ever gotten in our church is when I make fun of Yankees. <laughs> all the people that have moved here during COVID. And I said, if you turn here, there, we'll cast you out like a demon. Everybody's like, ah, they lost their mind. We cheer louder for that. We do baptisms. That's scary. Think about That's it. scary. Okay. So when it comes to like LGBTQ, there are, there are people that I, I know very, very dearly in our church and they struggle with same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say what the Bible says and I'm going to either have them in mind or look at them and, and I want to deliver this, that it is so lathered in grace mm-hmm. without ever waffling mm-hmm. on the truth of God. Mm-hmm. And so pay very close attention. If, if anybody, for the sake of evangelism, thinks that the Word of God is somehow an enemy to reaching people, right. they're making a very, very, very bad. That, that's the sin of Balaam. Mm-hmm. That's what he did. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so we're going to teach it as often as the Scriptures do. We want to equip our people with sound doctrine, mm-hmm. sound theology. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to do it in a way that people know. Listen, here's the thing about there's several people that have same-sex attraction and are, and are even uh, um, have different beliefs on what the Bible says about mm-hmm. LGBTQ stuff. There are some people that have rejected that lifestyle and say, Jesus is my Lord, I do what he says. There are some people that are like, you know what, Pastor, you're wrong on this one, but we love to come to church here or whatever. Okay. I am accountable to God to teach his word. Mm. That that converse, that Walmart conversation thing, I refuse yeah. to stand before him one day and he go, well, why didn't you teach that? Why didn't you mm. teach 1 Corinthians 6? And I may go, well, it was difficult in that culture. Nope. Mm. I'm just going to teach teach what it says. But I want to deliver it in a way that people would have ears to hear if, if the Spirit would give them that gift and know that I love them, that we love them. Because we live in a world right now that says me and that person struggling with um, same-sex attraction, that, that this world says we cannot be friends. And I'm saying the good news of the gospel mm-hmm. says that we can actually be united in Christ mm-hmm. because our political views don't unite us. It's if the blood of Jesus unites mm-hmm. us. And so we yeah. want to make sure we're preaching the blood of Jesus. Yeah, I mean, the, one of the most helpful books on that conversation is from Carl Truman. You told me about it. You know, he's got a longer one called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self and yeah. then a shorter one called Strange New World. And he he says in that book something that was so helpful to me. He says, there's a difference between political activism and loving somebody in community. We should be very clear and aggressive in a, from a political stance. We don't want things happening in our schools or to our kids Correct. without our control. But that that can sometimes, the line can be blurred. And if you're, if you're attacking an individual, now you've crossed a, a line away from love. 
With that in mind, I will say, though, this whole uh, sexual revolution, particularly the LGBT and especially the T in all of that, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a demonic move of the enemy. Um, And even, and especially in our country, it is going to come, there's going to be a head-on collision with religious freedom Mm. in this country. Mm. And so a big part of, you know, we just stand on the truth of God's word. We've even done things as a church, as you guys know, this is just for y'all, like, with things like our bylaws and what we believe to, to before it ever comes to taxes and the, some you know some particulars in the way the enemy could come after the church that we have we have staked our claim on the rock mm-hmm. and so we just know that if the wind and waves come no problem because our life is built on the truth of God's word mm-hmm. we're not going to just mm-hmm. take the temperature of our society and try to shift according to it yeah amen all right, here's another question about the Old Testament. So how do we process Old Testament commandments as New Testament believers? We've talked a little bit about this, about like Jesus being a, a voice or a, a, alluded to in, in the Proverbs, but talk a little bit more about that. Uh, the way most theologians talk about it is there's like three categories of Old Testament commandment. There are religious rites, so this would be like festivals and this how many time you got to wash your hands, that kind of stuff. There, there, there were social norms that are talked about there, and then there is morality, and the morality would be eternal. The religious norms have all been met and fulfilled in Jesus, and then the social ones you just got to look at a little bit. Like the Ten Commandments are still the Ten Commandments, but kosher laws were undone. Another thing to do, look at is has the New Testament specifically said those are no longer pertinent. So take the kosher dietary laws. God himself tells Peter in a vision in Acts chapter 10, you can eat bacon now. So now we don't even have to pray about that. We know. So there's that. So if the New Testament has specifically addressed it, and then is this a religious right? Is this a societal norm or is this a moral law? Mm Mm-hmm. But it certainly is not true that they're not important at all to know or to study or yeah, there is this, from. There is quite a bit of, I mean, don't mishear this, but there is a progressive revelation of God revealing who he is to his people. Mm-hmm. We know who God is through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus more than Moses knew who God was by a cloud mm-hmm. on top of a mountain. Yeah. Now, his law is no less a gift from God. And then you also have to understand when was God revealing himself and why was God revealing himself. He's taken a slave nation and trying to turn them into a people. That is very different than God trying to take missionaries and take the gospel to the ends of the earth in the epistles. Mm -hmm. And so understanding when God is revealing himself helps us understand him a lot more too. Mm, That's good. All right, last one. We talked a little bit about, uh, you talked about you don't want to stand before God and said, well, I just thought it was my indigestion. I'm, you know, now I'm just, I disobeyed you. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the practical ways you hear uh, the spirit guiding you amidst the noise of the world. Well, I mean, one, are you asking him to speak to you? Hmm. I mean, it's as simple as that, right? Like, I start out every week with, God, they're your sheep, they're not my sheep. What do you want to say to your sheep? Mm-hmm. That helps. And so far, it'll make me cry if I think about it too much. He's, he's never not given me a sermon. Think mm-hmm. about that. He does not owe me a sermon. Mm-hmm. And never once have I had to, like, download somebody's sermon and just preach theirs. <laughs> um, one of the things, this is silly, but one of the things that helps me distinguish the voice of God in my life is I just say it out loud. Mm-hmm. Be like, all right, would God want me to go and welcome that lady in the fourth row that looks super uncomfortable in church. Does that seem like a thing that God would come up with? Because there's only three options. 
Either it's his idea, it's my idea, or something from the enemy. Mm. Well, the enemy doesn't want that girl to feel welcomed at church, yeah. so I can scratch that one out. So mm. even if it is my idea, but it's not good, that seems like, oh, I'm being sanctified. I'm mm-hmm. thinking about people feeling really welcome to church. I think that still qualifies under God's command. But sometimes saying the thing out loud, you know, like, mm-hmm. how about this? <clears throat> when you feel so justified in being mad at your wife because you know she's wrong, she's totally wrong. <laughs> And so your inner lawyer has convinced you, this time you're going to wait and make her go first because you right. know you're right. All right, now just say that out loud. What I'm going to do here is I'm going to wait for her to go first. Wait a minute, my Bible says, I'm supposed to love her like Christ loved the church. Crap, he went first. Dang it, I'm wrong. Just say things out loud. <laughs> and you'll just out yourself. Right, right. A little bit of screw tape letters in there too, right? Like, <laughs> you know, right. you think about would would Satan be happy if I went with option three? And right. if the answer is yes, then that's probably not the one you go with. <laughs> that's you <know>? right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think anybody asking those kind of questions of like, how do I hear the voice of God? How do I know what he's telling me to do? Uh, one of the resources I point people to for 25 years is Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Yeah. So, uh, it's a great, it's great. And even if you haven't read it in 10 years, go back and read it again. Like, it's just such a, it's such, and the line in it, I've quoted it a hundred times here is, if you want to experience God in your life, then look around, see where God's at work and join him in that work. Mm -hmm. Um, And the whole thing is about living abundantly uh, under God's rule and reign. And so, you know, a couple of things Blackaby says, uh, these are not, these are not new or rocket science by any means, but God speaks through his word. Right, so we say all the time, you hear God speak, open up the Bible, start reading out loud. Uh, God speaks through His Word, you know. And the the more you begin to learn about the character and nature of God, the more the more potent or the more de- de- uh, understandable the the Bible becomes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't rec- I recommend Bible reading plans. I certainly don't recommend the poke and hope method, where you just like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> you just open it up and point at a verse and start in the middle, you know? So I don't recommend that in any, in any version of life, but let's continue on. Uh, his church, go back to the Bible. This is why you go to Bible preaching churches. Um, just because somebody's standing on the stage wearing a microphone talking about God does not mean that they're speaking on behalf of God. Yeah. Even if they have Bible verses sprinkled through. That's right. That's right. And there's... And so... Uh, people who preach the Bible uh, regularly, verse by verse. Um, so God speaks through His Word. God speaks through His church. Um, God speaks through creation. Romans 1 says about creation alone. We know that there's a God, you know. And I don't mean this in a weird way of like stare at a tree and then all of a sudden you'll have divine revelation. But I think there's something to getting out and being overcome with the magnificence of God and the details uh, how intricate he is in the details. You know what I mean? Um, and so uh, prayer, uh, we talk about that one all the time, but prayer is actually a practice in listening if you're doing it right. Yeah. And uh, creating those spaces and those times in your life. And this is hard, man. If I were the enemy and I wanted to uh, hijack the power from the church and I wanted to trap people who are professing to be Christians in a joyless existence, what would I do? Well, I would create a device that distracted them all the time with the idea of relationships, but kept them from actually being in real ones. And that seemingly the world we live in is we're surrounded with devices that are that create the illusion of a relationship. 
but they're not actually real relationships, including that with God. Many people consider information consumption as the same thing as being in relationship with God. Mm. So I'm pro-podcast. I'm pro-reading articles. This is a podcast. I'm pro-it. I'm pro-all that. (laughs) I'm not pro-it more than you being alone in the presence of the Lord. That's right. I'm not pro-podcast over prayer closet. I'll tell you that right now. This podcast does not count as your quiet time. That's right. Mm. And so I think spending time alone with the Mm. Lord... um, you know, as purposeful and as intentional as you can, all those things. So, yeah, the uh, that's really what it means to abide in Christ, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. that you would be, you would be in a state of mind and heart and soul and body where you are available to hear the whisper of the Spirit or the rains, right? And if you're distracted with, you know, the the show you just watched or a problem at work, you're anxious. If you're worrying, if you're physically exhausted, you're not taking care of yourself. Then it's a lot harder to hear. Hey, go talk to that person in line at Walmart. You know, uh, well, Pastor Joby, why don't you give us some closing words if you have them about this series that we're going to dive into, and then close us in prayer. We're going to have a great time. Well, he's not just sharing random things with you for random randomness' right. sake. All right, right. That, that there is a path and there is a journey. The Proverbs talks about. And it's like you know the, the the fools of this world are trying to bait you down a road, but then there's this good shepherd, and he's also has instruction. Mm-hmm. When we hear his voice, when we do what he says, you get to John 10. When your sheep hear his voice and follow him, do what he says, then every single time we head in that direction, we are heading towards abundant life mm-hmm. because he is the good shepherd. He laid down his life for us. Mm. That is my hope for this whole 10 to life series and for this whole 10 to life journey that we're on. Mm. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. <clears throat> Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you are not a voiceless entity, mm. that you are a God who speaks. Sometimes you speak and worlds are created. And sometimes you just whisper to your kids. And so, Lord, may we never take that for granted. And God, we ask for the wisdom and courage to do whatever it is that you tell us to do. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the podcast. <laughs> the end. <You> know. <laughs>